Hello and welcome. Thank you for downloading this week's Sermon and Prayers of Intercession from the English Reformed Church Amsterdam. We hope you will enjoy what you are about to hear and that you will be blessed. Let us pray. Living God, open our hearts to your word that we may show forth your love in our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Immorality, incest, legal disputes, drunkenness at the Lord's Supper, welcome to the church at Corinth. If you were checking out church websites back in the first century, that's what you would have found at churchatcorinth.com if they were being honest about themselves. Life there seemed to be descending into chaos, and that was deeply painful to Paul, who had founded this church. A couple of weeks ago, we touched on the kind of church that had formed in the ancient city of Corinth. In a city that was stamped with many of the deep social divisions that ran through the ancient world, the church at Corinth had an opportunity to bear witness to something new. This church had become a community where all the rules were changed, where the wealthy and the powerful, the poor and the powerless, the slave and the free, all could come and sit down together, and there the contours of life in the ancient world would be redrawn and reconfigured. The church at Corinth, however, was losing the plot. Disputes and conflicts were arising, tearing the church apart. And through it all, the old power relations of haves and have-nots were being re-established. There was one particular feature of this community that really angered Paul. When they gathered for worship and to break bread at the Lord's Supper, the wealthy businessmen and their wives were turning up with big hampers of food. That's how they used to do the Lord's Supper in those days. But the servants and the slaves who had to work before worship were arriving to find that all the food had gone, and they, of course, were left to clear up the mess. And then others were boasting about spiritual gifts that they had. Some of them spoke in heavenly languages, and others interpreted those messages from God, and others prophesied. And these people reckoned that they were a cut above everybody else. Things are falling apart, and Paul is outraged. Is this the body of Christ? Well, it's into this situation that Paul writes this sublime 13th chapter of his letter to that church about love. It was written for a church in crisis, a conflicted church that was in danger of becoming just like the society around it when it was supposed to offer an alternative, a clear contrast. 
So let's be clear. We're used to hearing this passage read in weddings, but that's not actually the kind of love that is being described here. The love of 1 Corinthians 13 is what is called in Greek agape. And agape is not smoochy, romantic, erotic love. Agape is very, very practical. It's sacrificial, and it is a demanding kind of love, which if we ever managed to actually live it, would totally revolutionize the world. And in order to get to the heart of this kind of love that's in this passage, I want to focus on verse 4, where Paul makes a series of short, concise statements. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious. And so it goes on until verse 7 where he says, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Or as a good translation puts it, there is no limit to its faith, its hope, its endurance. Now, the quality of love that Paul is touching on here, the quality of agape, is its expansive nature, the way it extends and pushes boundaries. In the style of Paul's short, punchy statements, I would sum up this section of the chapter by saying, love pushes it. Love pushes it where we as human beings feel that we have reached a limit, where we think we are justified in drawing a line and saying, that's enough, agape love says, go further. Such love pushes the limits. It's the love that is revealed in the Old Testament, where time and time again, God has just cause to abandon Israel and leave them to their devices, but every time God pushes it and says, no, I cannot let you go. And of course, such love pushed out beyond the bounds of Israel to other nations. And that's what Jesus is reminding the people of Nazareth of in our reading from Luke's gospel this morning. Jesus reminds his Jewish synagogue audience of how in Elijah's Elijah's time, God's love reached out to a non-Israelite widow in Sidon. And in Elisha's time, that love pushed beyond the boundaries to a Syrian leper called Naaman. There's divine love for you pushing the boundaries, generous and excessive. And note the congregation's fury at Jesus' suggestion that divine love might actually stretch like that. They're ready to go out and lynch him. They keep their love on a short leash. But this is the kind of love that Jesus demonstrates in 
reaching out to those who were seen as the sinners of their day. People who were considered not just to be outside the law of God, but outside the love of God. Jesus comes along and says, God's kingdom begins right here with you. Here is divine love, and it is what must characterize Christians. The surplus, the excess, the excessive. So, this morning, we gather here at this table, and we meet this love coming to us in bread and wine. Bread which in His day, Jesus multiplied a thousand times, leaving baskets of leftovers. And wine reminding us of the choice connoisseur wine which Jesus produced out of water. Here is the generous God, the God of excess, the God who pushes it. And I wonder where this might speak to you this morning, where you might be called to go a step further, where you might be called to imitate God in this way. For love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Amen. Dear Lord, in this moment of silence, we come to you, we bow our heads, we close our eyes, and we join our hands in prayer. We have just read the famous passage in the first letter of the, to the Corinthians about love, and our pastor has encouraged us a few moments ago to practice this in our everyday life. This is not always easy. For instance, if you have a neighbor, a colleague, or a fellow classmate with whom we don't have good relations, please help us to pray for them as well as for ourselves. We ask you to touch them and to touch us, and fill all of us again, or for the first time, with your love that never ends. Lord, if we talk about love, this might make some of us sad, because they are missing loved ones, either through bereavement or separation. Some of us has to miss the church community, for they are unable to come to church because of poor health, old age, or distance. Please be with them as well this morning. Bless them, touch them, and let them feel that you are really love them. Lord, there are also things you give thanks for. A week ago, some of us went to the Battle Church in The Hague, attending an ongoing church service which lasted for a few months. We thank you that the prayers have been answered and that the Tamarashian family who has, uh, don't have to fear any more for expulsion from this country. Lord, we are glad for all of those who can make use of this pardon for asylum children. Please help them to use their new opportunities wisely. Help them to build up a good future. Lord, finally we pray for, for wisdom for the Dutch government and for other governments in Europe. Please help them to find effective and foremost human ways 
to solve problems of migration and to avoid any further drownings in the Mediterranean Sea. And Lord, inspire also the governments and the peoples in Africa, Afghanistan and elsewhere to create new opportunities in their countries to create jobs, ban hunger and establish democratic, safe and peaceful societies. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ in the assurance of the words we just sung. Ubi caritas e amor Deus ibi est. Amen.